The only thing to do. Oh, that's not. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear me scratching my head? From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, M.E.D. and Me. My little bitty Hannah was a funny little spitfire, full of humor, ornery, quick to laugh, full of energy and spirit. But there was something... Something, something I couldn't put my finger on. I noticed it mostly when she ran. It wasn't a limp, really. It was just something not quite right. I was probably just overreacting. Stop worrying about nothing, I told myself. Until one summer day, I remember it very clearly. Derek, a longtime friend, and I were sitting on the steps of the porch watching our daughters play. My daughter, Hannah, just three years old, running circles around Derek's one-year-old daughter, Katie. As we sat there watching our girls play, Derek said, Hannah has a funny little run, doesn't she? That was all I needed. Yes, yes, she does. So I'm not crazy. I took Hannah to the doctor the next week. He looked her over, poked and prodded and pulled and twisted, you know, like doctors do. Then he ran her up and down the hallway. After the appointment, he said to me, I don't see anything unusual, but I always trust a mother, so I'm going to go ahead and take an x-ray of her hips. I went home feeling silly. I had overreacted and nothing was wrong. Then I got a call from the doctor the next day, affirming my intuition. Sure enough, the x-ray came back, showing some abnormalities in her hips. Always trust the mother, he said. She knows her child the best. Here I was, feeling silly, like I was overreacting, and my pediatrician was affirming me as a mother. This is only one of the many times I was thankful for our pediatrician, Dr. Brian Nelson. He was our doctor for all three of the girls up until their late teenage years. Dr. Nelson referred Hannah to specialists at Children's Mercy Hospital, a genetic specialist and an orthopedic specialist. A few more x-rays, a few more tests, and she was diagnosed with a rare disease called multiple epiphyseal dysplasia, a disease that affects the bone ends. Basically, her bones were not growing the way they were supposed to grow which at three years old showed itself in the something not quite right. The orthopedic specialist told us there was nothing to do until she was older. Until then, we will keep an eye on her. The genetic specialist started with lots of questions about relatives. Did anyone else have this condition? Not that we know of. People with multiple epiphyseal dysplasia, or MED, tend to be small. Well, we have lots of short people in our family, but they are just short. 
they don't have any of the other symptoms that come with MED. We brought pictures of family and answered more questions. It seemed as though the geneticist was not going to give us any answers, but would happily study Hannah. MED is a rare disease. We were not interested in having our three-year-old become a study subject. The only thing to do was wait and see. As Hannah grew, it was clear her legs were not growing straight. She could not sit crisscross applesauce with the other preschool children. If you asked her to stand up straight and put her ankles together, that was not something she could do. I can't even put into words the contortions she would put herself through to get her ankles to touch. The x-rays of her legs looked just like that, an X. We have a picture of her hanging from a tree branch. She had climbed up on her faded preschool slide to hang onto a branch. The way she was hanging there shows the deformity in her legs so starkly. In later years, when I questioned the wisdom of surgery on her legs, I go to that photo to affirm our choice. She was going to miss the last two months of kindergarten, but the time was right for surgery on Hannah's legs. Her surgeon at Children's Mercy Hospital said his goal was to make her legs straight and keep them straight as she grew. The surgery was a femoral and tibial osteotomy, or let's cut the bones on the top and bottom parts of her legs, straighten them, and cast them. Her school bus driver had given her a little stuffed dog on the last day of school before her surgery. Hannah took him with her into surgery. It was very difficult to watch them wheel her away into surgery, then return with full leg casts on my lively little six-year-old. She got to pick the color of the cast, purple. Our friend Kathy came to the hospital and painted her toenails purple to match her casts after the surgery. It was truly a comfort to see the small bits of kindness from people. She was not allowed to put any weight on her legs. The surgery, the casts, did not slow her down at all. Within days, she was pulling herself all over the house, pulling up onto chairs. I have video of her pulling herself onto a swing in our backyard and swinging away. We worked on letters and numbers outside on the back porch. Grandma came and they blew bubbles and made crafts. It was a nice way to finish kindergarten. If you have to have your legs cut in half. Hannah has never allowed this disease to stop her. There are moments when she feels sad for the things that she cannot do, but will usually shake that off and keep going. When it came time to take the casts off, she was terrified. It didn't matter how much the nurse showed her that the little saw they would use to take the cast off would not cut her skin. She cried and cried. She was such a trooper through the whole surgery and the whole healing process, but that little saw was the last straw. I was not prepared for the condition of her legs when those casts came off. Her legs looked so small and weak with these giant, ugly scars. It was all I could do not to burst into tears with her. 
We survived the cast removal and were given a tiny little walker for Hannah to use as she got stronger. She hated that walker. She would grab onto the walls or hang onto anything to avoid using that thing. We got her crutches, which were a little better, but she never liked to show a weakness, and very quickly, she was walking without assistance. Over the years, she has had a few other surgeries to continue to keep her legs growing straight, but nothing as drastic as the first one. Hannah faces every challenge head-on. She has always had a funny little wobble when she walks, or, as her Aunt Rhonda likes to say, she has a hitch in her get-along. She can walk with a smoother gait if she works at it, and I used to make her work at it, until the doctor explained to me that that was doing more harm than good. Her natural wobble was the most pain-free way to walk. Dealing with pain is the biggest challenge for Hannah. She deals with other challenges as well. She is fully grown now and stands a full four foot eight. It can be frustrating for a 22-year-old to be mistaken for a middle schooler. We have modified her car so she can see over the dashboard and doesn't have to sit two inches away from the airbag. Shoes are a challenge. She wears a child size one and a half, which would be great if she loved Hello Kitty and pink glittery shoes that light up when you walk. Crowds can be frustrating too. She likes to say she is at elbow height. We used to joke about putting a bicycle flag on her backpack in high school. She misses her high school friends because these are the kids that have grown up with her. They know her challenges. It's Hannah. She doesn't have to explain anything. It's not even though they know what her condition is, they just know her. She doesn't move fast. She has always had those scars. Now as she moves into new situations, meeting new people, it's harder to just be. People want to know about the giant scars on her legs, but are uncomfortable to ask. Some people will naturally walk her slower pace, others will just go on without her. When she started high school, we talked to the marching band director about Hannah. We were not sure how she would handle the rigors of marching band. She had managed the best she could in PE classes in middle school. The only real struggle was the required mile run. She finished it in a record-breaking 18.9 minutes. Of course, running games were not her favorite, and she would avoid them if she could. Marching band was new. It required spending a lot of time on your feet, marching backwards and sometimes taking large steps. Mr. Adams, the band director, assured us that he would work with Hannah and make any accommodations needed for her to become successful in the program. As it turned out, we were worried for nothing. Hannah loved marching band. Once band camp was over, the daily practices were not too much for her to handle. Band camp, which was more intense, left her sore and very tired. Again, she was not going to let this disease stop her. We have always been proud of her perseverance. Her senior year of high school, she was the trumpet section leader in marching band. She was tiny but mighty. She even moved on to march a year in the University of Kansas marching band. Her orthopedic surgeon did what he said he was going to do. He kept her legs straight as she grew. 
That was his focus, and we were thankful for his good work. We have had trouble finding anyone who would help us help her with the pain she deals with every day. It's hard to watch her get up from the couch and walk to her room on her knees because her ankles hurt so badly. When we talked to her surgeon about dealing with pain, he said, You do understand the nature of her condition. In other words, sorry, Mom, your daughter has MED. It causes painful joints. We have seen foot specialists, hand specialists, knee specialists. We have gotten braces and shoe insoles. Unfortunately, most of these specialists usually say, I don't have much experience with MED, but let's try this. When she started to have trouble with the joints in her fingers, we took her to a hand specialist, and her only advice was, you can't wrap your child in bubble wrap. I was livid at the time. You can't wrap your child in bubble wrap. She doesn't know me. I don't wrap my kids in bubble wrap. I wanted help with the pain in her hand. Bubble wrap. Oh, that was a useless waste of money. Bubble wrap. But now we can laugh about it, and we like to put those two doctor quotes out on appropriate occasions. You do understand the nature of her condition. Why, yes, and you can't wrap your child in bubble wrap. Hannah deals with this disease with courage and grace. I'm immensely proud of her for so many reasons. I think I will let her words be the last ones on the subject. Here's a post from her Facebook page on Rare Disease Awareness Day. The opportunities about working with children she refers to are the three summers she worked at the Salvation Army Summer Camp in Missouri. I have something called multiple epiphyseal dysplasia. I have trouble walking upstairs, getting out of bed, and putting on my shoes. It creates a cloud of insecurity over myself, potential relationships, and thoughts of others. But this post isn't to tell you about my struggles and fears. I've had the most amazing opportunity for the past few summers to spend time with kids who feel alone and think no one understands what they are going through. I get to use my own personal experiences and love on these kids. Everyone has their own insecurities and difficulties through life, but it's not our job to create more hurt for them. It's not our job to judge. Our job is to love and accept. Being different and having contrasting backgrounds and beliefs is what makes a well-rounded person and thriving relationships work. Friends giving me a helping hand and sticking by my side has really shown me who my real friends are. By people embracing and loving me through my disability, it has given me comfort in myself that would not be present otherwise. Happy Rare Disease Awareness Day! Remember to be kind to others, no matter how weird or different they are. And oh.
welcome back to Carlson Drive. Right next to me, sitting on my right, is Wendy Bonnefield, the host and writer and co-producer of this show, and me, Hannah, Hannah Bonnefield. <laughs> that was great, Hannah. Thank you very much. So Hannah's here. <laughs> You can sort of see the little bit of the spicy, spicy girl. <laughs> spicy. Okay. <laughs> so how much do you remember from that first surgery? I don't really remember like going to the doctor or anything like that before having surgery. But I remember when they told me that I had to have surgery. And it was kind of one of those things where you're like, uh, what's that? I don't know what surgery is because I'm three. But when it like kind of came up to it and you guys were trying like you guys were explaining to me what surgery meant, what that was, I um, obviously did not want to have surgery. But, you know, you go in and they all these nurses are super nice to you and the doctors are super nice to you and they give you medicine and a shot and then you wake up and you've been cut open. So it's not like. It's harder on you as a parent than it was on me in that in those first moments those first. and within the surgery. Right. Because I was asleep and I didn't feel a thing. And then you're in the hospital afterwards and you have this menu that has all kinds of goodies on it, pretzels and ice cream and chocolate shakes. Yeah, and you, you could eat anything you wanted off of this menu. Yeah, and I and I was really excited about that. Like when I woke up, is you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I I have this menu. I can order anything I want, and I'd order stuff, and then I'd fall asleep because you know I was still kind of out of it, still under medication, and I'm I really do not have a good reaction to anesthesia, so I would just throw everything up. It's true. And Erin, my sister Erin, really loved it. I would order something and then I'd fall asleep, so she'd just eat it. It's it's true. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, get the chocolate shake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, there it was. It was good. I got to watch TV. I got to eat food, even though I didn't really eat it. I got to lay in bed all day. Which now, that maybe sounds exciting to you, but as a six-year-old, you didn't really like the idea of that. I mean, thinking about it now, it sounds fine. <laughs> like now, you're like, lay in bed all day. Yeah. And they bring you food? Thank you. <laughs> yes. You, you remember anybody coming to visit and all the little goodies well, people I remember, brought? I remember Kathy coming to visit, and she painted my nails purple. Yep. I just remember people coming and they'd bring me cards or flowers or there was like a huge, they brought me a huge stuffed animal. My bus driver gave me um, a stuffed animal before I went to surgery. And of all the surgeries that I've had, which is four, I have taken that stuffed animal with me. So, you know, there was just a lot of people who were really kind and really generous and were just really supportive of my journey of disability those little tiny bits of kindness mean more than you think they do i really think they do and it because i interact with so many people every single day who just don't understand or don't want to understand or don't care and i've really seen a lot of my friends help 
you know, and who, who've, who've stuck with me and understood what I've gone through and are really generous with their time, you know, just hanging back like, oh, I know that we're in Germany, but Hannah is walking a little slower, so we're going to walk with her. It's going to take us an hour instead of a half an hour to get to point from A to B. Right. Uh, you know, so even though we want to explore more, you know, Hannah's here and she's and we want to be with her because we like her. Yeah. yeah, it's just a simple thing for somebody to just take a slower pace with you when mm-hmm. you're walking. They take a slower pace or they or they invite me to do something keeping in mind that I have certain limitations. Like they're not going to be like, "Hannah, me and um the gang are going to go on a five mile hike want to join they wouldn't do that like i would because i because then i would be like yeah and then i would go and i'd have a terrible time and they would have a terrible time because they would be going a snail's pace and i would be feeling really bad right because and then you wouldn't be able to move the next right day. and i wouldn't be able to move the next day or i just wouldn't go or i'd just be like hey yeah i can't go i'm sorry and then i'd feel sad because i couldn't go so they you know just people are really nice in that way because they're like well let's go hiking and then they go wait a minute well we want hannah to come let's find something that hannah can do as well mm-hmm. and that's just it's really encouraging and it's really nice to have people like that in my life yeah well, that was a big transition from the uh, hospital days. To- <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know, but you were talking about the people who... Who did simple things. Yeah, so or who like, came we- and visited me and all that stuff. And those people are included in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it's true. Some of, those, some of those people who came and visited you in the hospital have been your friends for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's kind of, you know, when I talk about in the story about your high school friends... You were at a different school when you had that surgery in kindergarten. So we moved when you were in third grade Mm -hmm. to a different school district. Yeah. But still, third grade, you had the same friends starting in third grade all the way through high school. Right. And it's not even that they were my friends because a lot of people in elementary school, I don't keep in touch with them and I wasn't really friends with them in high school, but they knew what my situation was because they saw firsthand, you know, I went through surgery in elementary school and it was very exciting for them because a girl who was in a wheelchair was in their class and like (laughs) they could push me around or, you know, they helped me carry my bags to class because then I moved from a wheelchair to crutches and that was really exciting and they all tried out on my crutches. So they knew, they knew what I was going through and they knew what I had was real and it was something that was actually you know, hard for me. It wasn't like, oh, I have a disability. You know, like it's just, it was, it's something that, you know, really affects my life and it has a really big impact on, you know, the way I look, the way I walk, the way I live my life. And so I think um, even with those kids in elementary school, all the way through high school, it wasn't even that I was friends with them. It was the fact that they just accepted me and they knew they took care of me. You know, they watched out for me. And so anybody who was new who didn't know Hannah, like, this is her situation. Now let's move forward. Right. Like, yeah. it wasn't, Just, it, it's Everybody not like, got filled in on the details. And people asked me questions, which I told, which I completely welcome and, and encourage. But, you know, having those kind of people who had my back, who it, there was never a situation where it was like, 
you're so ugly or you look so weird or why do you walk like that? And of course I got some questions like that. Of course I was teased a little bit like that, but since I had a community right off the bat, pretty much that wasn't a really big struggle for me. That wasn't as big as some people have. Yeah. I don't ever remember you being sad about being teased. You you teased yourself more about the way you walked than ever anybody else. You always t- talked about, oh, I have this goofy penguin walk. Yeah, yeah. But I don't ever remember you being like, oh, somebody said I look like a penguin or yeah. anything like I mean, that. if there was any kind of teasing, it was, you know, because I was short. You did get a lot of short. I still do. <laughs> I well, still do. you're short. Shocking. What? Really? Mm-hmm. I know that's that's just always going to be a challenge for you. Right. I mean, well, now that I'm an adult now, it's it's a little bit harder. Yeah, describe kind of how sometimes people sort of just look right past you. Yeah, I mean, that's re- a really accurate way of saying it is people have a tendency of being like, this is the adult and this is the child. And it's really, it's so darn frustrating because I want to be taken seriously. I want to be involved in the adult conversations because I am an adult. And so I don't want I don't want to be stuck in this category that I don't belong in just because I look like I'm a certain age. Just the other day, I was with a team of people that I work with and um, we met someone new who was like coming in and he shook everybody's hand and he like said hi and winked at me because he knew... <laughs> He thought that he knew how old I was. Um, and I was like, no, I would like, I would also like a handshake, please. Like, it, <laughs> like it's not, it's not a big deal. But it, when little things like that happen every single day, it kind of piles up. It yeah. kind of gets annoying. And especially, you know, I volunteer at certain places. And sometimes that can get hard to do because I want to help but the people who are in charge of like distributing jobs for volunteers they don't take me seriously enough to take on certain jobs or like serious responsibility jobs so you know there's things like that that can get kind of annoying and it 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 gets really old to remind people how old I am like I don't want to be like I'm an adult guess what I'm 23 hey I'm an adult hey can we let Look at me, you know, like I don't want to do that. I just want to be treated, treated as a, like an adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a, a youth leader at our church and I'm a freshman girls leader. And sometimes we'll go on retreats and that can be really difficult. So I'll go as a leader and there are people who are in charge of the event who don't know me they don't know how old I am they don't know if I'm a leader or if I'm a student and 90% of the time they assume I'm a student because I'm so small and I'm shorter than my own freshman girls (laughs) um and so you know they'll ask they'll be like all right we want all leaders to come early to the chapel so that we can have a leader meeting and then I am not allowed to go into the chapel because they think I'm a student and I have to be like no I'm a leader (laughs) they'll say hey i'm really sorry you can't come in it's a leader meeting and i'll be like okay great i am a leader and he'll be like haha very funny don't get past me and i had to 
crawl underneath his legs to get to the leader <laughs> meeting. Very adult-like crawling yeah, underneath very, somebody's uh, yes. legs. It 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 um it was a, a mature way of getting to where I was supposed <laughs> to be getting. <laughs> but you know, stuff like that happens, or like uh, you know, the pastor will be like, "Hey, we're we're all gonna have snacks. Leaders, can you come over and help pass out the snacks?" And so I'm like, hey, I'm a leader. I can help pass out snacks. And he's like, haha, yeah, right. You're just trying to steal the snacks. <laughs> There's just things like that that happen all the time where it's like, I want to help. I want to be helpful. And I want to be present. And I want to be a good leader. But there are so many hindrances in that that can be really difficult. Because you're just small. Because I'm small, small. And people just make assumptions. Right. So with, uh, with this condition, have you ever had any other sort of weird experiences? When I was at KU, I was walking down uh, Jayhawk Boulevard and I was walking into class and someone stopped me and they were like, excuse me, what's, what's, what's wrong with your hip? And I was like, oh, well, it's just something that I found my whole life. It's no big deal. Like, I didn't want to like talk because I had like three minutes to get to class. And they said, uh, can we pray for you? And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, it's so nice. A little weird, but, I, you know, whatever. It's nice. And then, like, people started kind of crowding around me and praying for me. They said amen, and I was like, thank you very much. And I started walking away, and they were like, so how do you feel now? Are you healed? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, nope, uh, I'm still disabled, still, nope, uh, but thank you. Thank you very much. I'll let you know, kind of. <laughs> and they were like, okay, well, we'll see you later. It was extremely <laughs> awkward. I you didn't were know not instantly healed? No. I mean, I did say, I was like, I feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. See you later. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, you've never um, let this thing stop you. You've always just... I'm gonna have this thing for my whole life. It's not. It's not curable. I'm not gonna be able to cure it. I'm not gonna be able to fix it. It's not gonna be able to heal on its own. It's something that I'm gonna have my whole life. So I better like get with it. And that's not. I'm not trying to be like sad. I'm not trying to be like my life sucks. I better just get over it. Cause that's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's like I've gotta. I've gotta figure out how to, you know, live life well. Yeah. And I think you have. For those first 23 years. <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username on Carlson Drive. Please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Join us next week for a new episode. Until then, thank you for joining us on Carlson Drive. Carlson Drive.